Well, hey there, my name is Eric Gray, and I'm the Young Adult and Family Minister here at the Regency Church of Christ. I just want to take a minute and say thank you for checking out this message. If you're ever in the Mobile area, we'd love for you to join us on Sundays at 10 a.m. And to find out more information about Regency or to listen to other messages from this series, we'd love for you to check out our website at regencycc.org. And we're praying that this message will help you grow closer to Jesus. Well, good evening to everybody. All right, I have to tell you a quick story about these parent night out things. Uh, years ago, when I was doing full-time youth ministry, we found that that was the perfect way to increase the size of your youth group. Because we found out about nine months later, we had more kids on the way. So, <laughs> so maybe that's maybe that's part of the strategy here. I don't know. Anyway, well, good evening to you, and welcome. Um, if you're here tonight for the first time, like I am, uh, I'm excited to be here with you guys. And uh, if you're ever down in the Pace area, not that far down the road, uh, stop by and see us. All right, let's jump into the lesson tonight. And I'm going to give you a little perspective about me while we do this. This lesson's not about me, but you'll get some connection on this. I am a former school teacher. Uh, I've worn many hats over my life. I grew up on a farm in Mississippi. Um, got through grad school by loading airplanes and loading trucks. So I'm, I'm used to doing real work. Um, Taught school for 13 years, fifth and sixth grade primarily. If you ever want to improve your prayer life, I would suggest go into education. That would do it. Um, certified to be a principal. Why? I don't know, but I'm certified to be a principal. And uh, when I first got into education, there was always a question when you went to a, a, an interview that the, the committee that was going to be doing the hiring would ask you, you know, what is your philosophy of teaching? And I thought that was the most ridiculous question. I have changed my mind. I think all of us have a philosophy, a viewpoint, a vantage point on how we view whatever the work field is that we're in. I think we have a philosophy or a viewpoint of how we view family. I think we also have a philosophy or a viewpoint of how we view church. So if you were to ask me, David, what is your philosophy of church and ministry? I'm going to tell you to turn to Ephesians chapter 4, 11 through 16. And that would be my answer. If you want to know how the church is supposed to be, if you want to know how the church grows, how it takes care of its membership, how it gives glory to its God, it's all packaged right there in verses 11 through 16 of Ephesians chapter 4. And for me, when I think of the Lord's church and I think of my role in that church, as a member, uh, as a preacher, uh, I wear the hat of elder now, which I've been preaching for years and years and years, but nothing has scared me as dramatically as being an elder. Everybody has bad elder stories. It's listening to the good elder stories 
And so our congregation has had elders now since January, and I'm one of three elders. And as we put it, we are grabbing hold of a moving train trying to get on. And at this point, we are we are hanging on to the rail. We're not quite on the train yet, so we're just kind of uh, blowing in the wind, if you will. Uh, but whatever your role in the church is, whatever it is that you do within the body, there is a thought process in your head of what that means. Now, to approach this from a different angle, your theme for this summer, uh, everybody always. When I first heard that, this passage from Ephesians 4 is the first thing that came to my mind. Because the church is supposed to be our support network. The church is where everybody ought to have a place. And it doesn't matter your background. It doesn't matter your education level. It doesn't matter your employment status or what field you're in. It doesn't matter anything about that. The church is where everybody has a place. The problem is, Sometimes we don't know where we fit in. Sometimes we don't know how we connect, what our niche is, what it is that we ought to be doing. So as we go through this passage tonight, I hope there are going to be some things that will that will make some sense to you. Uh, that will maybe give you some insight about your yourself. All right, let's let's work through this. Ephesians chapter 4, let's start with verse 11, and you'll notice as we go through this that every verse is a different point. So verse 11, and he gave him, and he himself gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, and some pastors and teachers. Those are all different functions within the church. Some of those were just first century, like with apostles. Some of those were first century, like with prophets. But evangelists, pastors, teachers, etc. This is not an all-inclusive list. But it goes to show that everybody has a different position. We are all on the same team. We're all striving for the same God. But we all have different task that we do what I do you don't necessarily let me give you a side point for a moment again I use a lot of personal illustrations I'm not stuck on myself don't worry about that but uh, you're looking at one of the shyest human beings that God ever put on the face of this earth and that is not exaggeration I was so shy that's when you're supposed to go how shy were you I was so shy how shy I was that where I grew up in the country in northern Mississippi, when a car would actually come up our road, I would run, go hide behind the house. And that's really bad when you're 16. Yeah, I'm not exaggerating. I was that shy, that awkward. And you're going like, you haven't improved that much. Oh, I know. I, I realize that. But I'm standing here in front of people I don't even know yet. And I'm talking to you about God's story. 
How is that even possible that a shy kid who was afraid of his own shadow, now his role every week, every day, is standing up in front of people teaching? Well, it's by the grace of God. And it's by God equipping me with skills that I didn't even realize at that point I had. Apparently, from what people have told me, I'm pretty good at putting two sentences together in a row. And and some people don't have that skill. Now, you may be going, David, I could never get up in front of a class or in front of a congregation and teach for 30 minutes. Not going to happen. Ready for this? That's okay. If that's not the skill set God has equipped you with, that's perfectly fine. That may not be your role. That may not be where you're called to serve. And that's why we have different skill sets. Uh, Mr. Fields, right? Fields, excellent job is leading singing. And by the way, ministers are in... In short demand now, song leaders are in very short demand within the Lord's church now. Well, I can never get up and lead a song. Well, maybe that's not what you're called to do. Whatever your role in the church is, find it and fill that role. We're not all called to do the same thing. Or to put it another way, it's about people. It's about people. Uh, The church has a business component to itself. Uh, The size congregation you are, I suspect you've got somewhere in the neighborhood of a half to three quarters of a million dollar budget per year, maybe even more than that. That's a lot of money. As large as your facility is here, uh, there are probably several folks that are involved in, in things as simple as making sure the building is locked and unlocked. Making sure the technology is working. Making sure the building is clean. Maybe that's your niche. And if you're doing that to the glory of God, guess what? God's pleased with that. Not everybody has to be a missionary. Not everybody has to be a Sunday school teacher. Not everybody has to be a preacher or an elder or a deacon or a whatever. You find where it is and you find some way to serve the people that make up that body. Verse 12. Verse 12, if you'll turn there with me. Why do we have all these different functions and these different roles? For the equipping of the saints for the work of ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. I've got a nephew that's done uh, two terms in Iraq, uh, one in Afghanistan. Currently, he's in Germany. Um, Army. And he, when he first went over, he said, the one thing that you never do is go anywhere without your gun. You always 
have your gun with you. Because you're on the battlefield. And it's being equipped. It's having the tools and the resources that you need so you can carry out that ministry. It's knowing what people need. It's knowing that that people need these certain things. And part of your job in your specific role in the church, whatever that is, your purpose is to help equip people for those various ministries. In my role at Pace, because I am the the preacher, I'm an elder. Um, as a former teacher, I work with the education program. Uh, you guys are doing a food handout tomorrow. We have our pantry every Thursday. Um, as a matter of fact, I was stocking shelves earlier today. Um, last Saturday, I was at the church building with my weed eater. Uh, and it's not, I'm not one of those folks that thinks I'm the only one that can do this. Usually there are other people there that I'm working with. And sometimes I'm there with them, not because they need my help to do the job. They need my encouragement. My role as an elder, as a preacher, as a Sunday school teacher, etc. My purpose in the congregation is to facilitate others into ministry. To show them how to do it to show them the tools they need, and to help them get equipped with those tools. What, what's the purpose of that? For edifying the body? For building one another up? So when you get together in a setting like this on a Wednesday night, that there is something in place that is going to encourage and strengthen you to get through the rest of this week. It's Wednesday, right? It's hump day. It's at that point in the week where we've been going full steam, getting maybe a little tired, and we got to get to the weekend. Well, why don't we get together on Wednesday night? To strengthen one another. We don't just get together and share family news for the sake of sharing news. We don't get together just to sing a song because it's part of what we do on Wednesday nights. We don't just get together to hear another lesson. All of that is about strengthening the body. About making us individually and collectively stronger. Let's go to verse uh, 13. And, and verse 13 is about what we're striving toward. Till we all come to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to a perfect man. That word perfect is the idea of complete. To the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. I've got a granddaughter who's 15 months old now. And I'm excited to say I'll have another granddaughter that's going to get here sometime during November. Now, my son, my son has got a lot to learn. 
Uh, the first grandchild is named Gemma Jean with J's. Now, he's been joking about this, and I told him, I am so glad that my daughter-in-law is actually the one on the paperwork who decides the name. He wants to name the second daughter Gemma Jean, but with G's. So there's JJ and GG. Uh, my boy's got a lot to learn, but I, I love playing with my granddaughter. We don't get to see her as often as we want, but just particularly now that you can do FaceTime and all this other stuff, every time we see her, she's different. I mean, you, the two years in a kid's life when they grow physically the most, their first year and usually around age 11, you will see more growth. And we saw her on video the other day and, and the first Jimmy Jean, the JJ. Okay. It was like, this is not the same kid that we had seen a month ago. She's taller. She's bigger. She's running. They can't keep up with her. You know, what's she going to be like when, when Sis comes along? And then she's going to be two, and she's going to be three, and she's going to be starting school, and then she's going to be in elementary, and then she's going to be in middle school, and then there's going to be some old ugly guy who's going to try to date my granddaughter. Yeah, for what was it? Tim McGraw had that song, I'll just be sitting here cleaning this gun. Wait a minute, you got a 15-year-old granddaughter, and you're talking about some guy dating her and her eventually getting married. Isn't that life? We're constantly moving forward. Well, in the church, we're supposed to be growing and maturing as well. And guess what? I can't do that on my own. You can't do it on your own either. We need each other. We need the back and forth. The, the rubbing elbows with each other. We need to be people-focused. We need to be focused on the purpose that we have of equipping and strengthening. And we're helping each other mature. We're helping each other grow up. Are we there yet? No. I became a Christian around age 16. I had known what to do for several years. But somehow I had gotten in my head that once I made that commitment, if I ever sinned, I'm done. And somebody straightened me out on that. We all continue to sin, even preachers, okay? Not a perfect person in the room. Matter of fact, here's your test for tonight. What does your sign out front say? There are no perfect people in this building. That includes me. Now, you know what the definition of an expert is? Somebody who lives at least 50 miles away. There are people in this congregation that are experts when it comes to knowing God's Word. And I'm not talking about Alan or Andrew, or Eric. Well, of course they're experts. They're our hired staff. 
No, they're all three excellent men. And I'm not saying that to be nice, and I'm not saying that out of professional courtesy. They are all three excellent, excellent men. You have chosen well. I'm looking out here. And some of you, some of you, your hair is changing colors. It's gotten a little bit lighter and whiter. Some of you, your hair just let go. Uh, It kept moving up and up and up until it just moved out. That's not uncommon with getting older, is it? It's a sign of wisdom, right? I'm thinking of a lady that I knew back in Tennessee, Miss Nellie. At 95, Miss Nellie was still working a garden. And she read her Bible every day. I think she finished high school. Never did one bit of college. But for the bulk of her life, she read her Bible through every year. Do you know how much Bible knowledge and life experience a 95-year-old woman has got? I had to make sure when I was standing up teaching and preaching, I knew what I was talking about because if I got something wrong, Miss Nellie was going to meet me at the door. She knew the Word better than some of my professors that I had when I was at at Freed and when I was at, at Harding Grad. She may not have had the letters behind her name, but she was an expert in living and applying God's Word. And there are some experts in this room. And what we're doing is... Wherever we are on the journey, we're helping each other move toward that maturity. It's the younger strengthening the older. I didn't get that backwards, by the way. It's the younger, as Paul would say to Timothy, setting an example of what it means to be a believer. 1 Timothy 4.12 It's the older teaching the younger. It's all of us helping each other. Grow up in Christ. Let's move on to verse 14. That we should no longer be children tossed to and fro and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by the trickery of men and the cunning craftiness of deceitful plotting. Prevention. Prevention. I have threatened as a uh, as a preacher and now as an elder, I have threatened to put a fire extinguisher on my desk. And actually, we just built a, 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 an expansion to our building, so we just had all the fire extinguishers checked. So, yeah, about a, two weeks ago, there was a fire extinguisher sitting on my desk because some days it feels like what I do in ministry is put out fires. Guess what? People have problems. Oh, no, they don't. Everybody that comes to this congregation, well, we've got it all together. 
Let us laugh together on that one. We are all imperfect people. We've all got problems. We are all flawed. We all like our preferences. We like doing things our way. Because we're like that. Because we are imperfect. Because we've not reached perfection yet. We're striving toward it, but we're not there. As we go through this journey together, as we rub elbows, sometimes we're going to rub each other the wrong way. Sometimes our preferences, sometimes our emotions, sometimes flawed thinking... We're going to go down a path that we don't need to go down. Since I became an elder in January, I mean, I already knew the congregation. But the three of us that are elders have really tried to commit ourselves to knowing the congregation. And being such that if the water bill is up $5 this month, we don't care. Because we've got a deacon that's in charge of the water bill. And we've got a deacon that's in charge of facilities. Our task is to shepherd the flock. And that means if somebody's got a struggle going on in their life, they need to be able to come to us as shepherds and we're going to listen. And we're going to try to help. I was sharing with a brother earlier. I heard a preacher years ago talk about, he put it this way. He said, people are at three different places in their life. One of three places. You are about to go into a storm. You are in the middle of a storm. Or you just came out of a storm. Now, that may sound a little bit depressing to you. It's not intended to be. It really is kind of the nature of life, though, isn't it? Uh, we're about to hit a hard spot, or we're dealing with it right now, or we survived that one and we're waiting for the next one to come. That, that's how life is. Life is sometimes like a roller coaster. And we got to help each other stay strapped in. When I am in the middle of a situation, it's hard for me to see what's going on around me. I'm going to give you an example. When I drove in from Pace, I left a little bit early because I did not quite know what 5 o'clock traffic coming into Mobile was going to be like. So I got here a little bit early. And it was great. It was a piece of cake. I was surprised. I was expecting, okay, there's going to be a wreck on the causeway. I'm going to be sitting here for an hour. Uh, you know, that, how that goes. Um, but as, as I was coming in, I'm thinking about what, what might happen on the road. What might happen that I'm going to be delayed or I'm going to be hindered. We've all got those kinds of situations in our life. And we need each other. So when I'm coming into to Mobile, I, I go through that big tunnel. 
I came in my wife's car tonight. She has serious radio on her car. So I get to listen to whatever I want to. That thing will not pick up in that tunnel. Matter of fact, my headlights came on in that tunnel. Because all you can see when you're going through that tunnel is the tunnel and a whole bunch of cars. And somebody blowing their horn. Everybody's got to blow their horn. Or if you're with a youth group, let's see if we can hold our breath as we go through the tunnel. Yeah, right. We tried that the other day coming back from camp. Traffic jam in the tunnel. Yeah, yeah. Nobody passed out. We were glad about that. But when you're in the middle of it, all you can see is the situation. And you need somebody standing outside the situation who's got a whole different perspective. Again, prevention. We're taking care of each other. We're helping each other avoid missteps even when we can't see where we're putting our feet. Let's move to the next verse. Uh, verse 15. But speaking the truth in love may grow up in all things into him who is the head, Christ. This is what I refer to as proclamation. We preach Jesus Christ. Church growth, church maturity, church strategies don't come out of any other book than the good book. It's not that other books don't have good information. A lot of their strategies they got from the Bible. Anybody ever heard of a guy named Stephen Covey, the one-minute manager? You know where he got his ideas? He got them from the Bible. Uh, You go back and you read his material, he'll even tell you, that's where I got them. They're not original with me. We proclaim Jesus Christ. We speak the truth. We talk to each other honestly. Do you know how I know that the church is full of liars? Oh, preacher, that sounds serious. Sunday morning, brother, how you doing? Great. I'm just fine. Just told a lie. Yeah. And I mean, I'm not necessarily wanting to see, well, I got gallbladder surgery coming up and I got a bunion on my foot. I mean, I'm not looking for the list. But have you noticed how many fine people they are in a church building? Everybody's fine. No, they're not. They're not. The only person that can fix us, that can save us, that can make us whole, make us complete... Is Jesus Christ. So when we gather together, what we've got to be hearing is Jesus proclaimed. We've got to hear the truth. And it's got to be expressed in love. It's got to be expressed with a heart of compassion. Remember the story of the woman caught in adultery? I've often wondered, where was the guy? But but they drug this woman out here, John 8, caught in the very act of adultery. I can kind of picture him throwing her at Jesus' feet, saying, the law says kill her. And and I picture people already picking up their stones, ready to start chunking them at her. 
And I've wondered so many times, what did Jesus write in the dirt? Father, how long am I going to have to put up with this? I don't know. But he said, any of you without sin, you go ahead and cast the first stone. We need truth. We need gospel. We need Jesus Christ and Him crucified. We need to be told we're sinners in need of a Savior, and we need to be told the good news that Jesus is that Savior. You you didn't come tonight to hear my opinions, did you? You came to hear God's Word. By the way, a little side note about me. My typical preaching, teaching style is what I'm doing tonight. We open the Bible to one passage and we park. We park and we jump into that passage and we dig through it. And and we we apply it because at 8 o'clock, which is like 11 minutes from now, you're going home. Aren't you happy to know the preacher's looking at the clock? At 8 o'clock, you're going home. And you've all been very nice and very polite tonight. You're paying very good attention. Now, let's go back to what Andrew announced earlier about parents' night out or whatever they called it. Let me tell you what. Sometimes, as much as you love your kids... Oh, you're going to take them for three hours? Please? Please? You need money? Sure. Here, how much more do you need? Three, three and a half hours? Three, three and a half hours just to sit down and talk to my wife without anybody else wanting her attention? We still have a 14-year-old at home. Pray for us. Uh... So thrilled, I baptized her two Saturdays ago. I've baptized all three of my kids. And if the Lord took me right now, I would leave this earth a happy, happy man. But my 14-year-old is a good-looking girl. She looked, people, when we tell her that she's, you know, people say, how old is she? And we say 14, they look at us like, You mean not 17? Not 18? This is why I know where my baseball bat is. This is also why I know know where the shotgun and the rifle are. Okay? This whole thing of being a parent? Challenging. It's tough. What do my kids need to hear more than anything? Wherever you go, whatever you do, God loves you. God wants you. My daughter was getting a little bit um, grumpy last night. Soccer practice this week. Lifting weights. She said, I have used muscles I did not know that I had. And she is in good shape, but she was, I mean, she was hurting. And so she was getting grumpy. and I mean, grumpy. And I said, I... I I just said to her, okay, who are you? I'm Hallie. No, no, who are you? I'm Hallie. I said, wait a minute. 
To whom do you belong? And there was this moment of silence. God. I belong to God. Her whole demeanor changed. Oh yeah, preacher, preacher daddy using the trump card. You better believe it. And I'm going to use it again. She got the point though. She got the point. She's still growing, still learning. She is a new babe in Christ. She needs those reminders. And guess what? I do too. You do as well. Now, let me move on to, you ready for this? The last point. And I still have eight minutes to go, so we're good. This whole lesson has been leading to this one verse. This single verse. Why is it that we focus on people? Why is it that we focus on our purpose? Why do we focus on being perfect in Christ? Why do we focus on prevention? Why do we focus on proclamation? From whom the whole body, joined and knit together by what each joint supplies, according to the effective working by which every part does its share, causes growth of the body for the edifying of itself in love. Now let me unpack that very quickly. Because that one verse, participation, encompasses all the other parts. It's almost a summary of everything we've talked about tonight. Like I said, I'm going to be 60 in October. That's still fairly young. Uh, Eric and I were talking, uh, matter of fact, last week at camp. I knew it was time for me to get out of youth ministry. When we would go skating and I would have to take the next two days off. Or, or we would go do camp for a week and then the next week was vacation time. Not going anywhere because I physically couldn't. I'm getting older. I already know that this left knee is not happy when the weather changes. I know some of those stupid things I did when I was a teenager. My 14-year-old. She said, Daddy, what is that bald spot on the back of your head? And she wasn't talking about this one up here. This one Mother Nature gave me. But there's a little one right here on the back of my head. She said, why doesn't the hair grow in that? It's about the size of a dime. Why does it grow there? Because when I was a teenager on the farm, my job was stacking hay in the hayloft, which is like two stories up. And, you know, when you pass out from lack of airflow because it's so hot up there and you got things packed so tight and you fall out of the barn and you land on the fender of the pickup. That was my first of four concussions. The last one was in 2010. I remember getting the concussion. It was another act of stupidity. I was hauling off some trash, had a... Uh, Shell on the back of my pickup, raised the shell up, put the tailgate down, jumped on the tailgate, and I hit right here. Shoved my neck down into my shoulders. 
Typical male, when I finally picked myself up off the tailgate after I don't know how long, I looked around to see anybody see that. No. The next day, my face started going numb. All right, so I go to the hospital, have an x-ray, have CAT scans. There is physical proof I have a brain. Okay. Doctor says, you have a concussion. Number four, you need to find a dark room, no TV, no computer, no reading, no radio. Sit there. End of the week, things got fuzzy. Y'all ever heard of post-concussion syndrome? From basically the beginning of November of 2010... Till about mid-April 2011, I have no memory. My son got married during that time. I know it because I've seen the video. Anything I didn't have a picture of or a video during that time, I don't remember. I don't remember. Because at that moment, my brain was not working right. Like some days, my knee does not work right. Don't worry, I'm, I'm better now. I, I don't have to check my driver's license, but maybe once or twice a day to see who I am, okay? But all those crazy things I did, all the bumps and bruises, the concussions, the broken bones, I'm starting to feel that. All the joints aren't working the way they once did. Going back to our passage, every joint supplying, every joint doing its part. Now, I hope when you got up this morning, or I hope when you get up in the morning, you hop out of bed And from the top of your head to the bottom of your feet, you feel good. Y'all are looking at me like you're hoping that too. (laughs) I I hope you have lots of days where you get up and nothing hurts, nothing aches. I hope my my 84-year-old mother-in-law lives with us. And she is doing great. But our schedule now involves regular doctor appointments. I hope tomorrow you have no doctor appointments. Y'all are looking at me like y'all got some of those scheduled too. When every part is functioning the way it ought to, when everything is doing what it ought to be doing, The work gets done, right? It's smooth sailing. But when one part, when one part isn't functioning properly, it affects the whole body. Paul is going in 1 Corinthians 12 and in Romans 12 uses this body motif uh, to talk about our relationship in Christ. And again, back to where we started, some people are an eye, some people are an ear, some people are a mouth, 
Some people are a big toe. Well, preacher, why do you mention a big toe? Have you ever stubbed your big toe on the edge of the bed? Your whole body reacted, didn't it? Hopefully your mouth didn't react in a bad way. But your whole body reacted. You realize that's the way we're supposed to be? Going back to the video that Andrew showed at the beginning of the service. One kid did something well. Everybody celebrated. One part of the body hurts. The whole body feels it. This idea of everybody always, everybody having a place. Here's the point of my lesson tonight. In Jesus Christ, in His church, you have a place. And when you are in your place, doing your task, fulfilling your role, everything functions well. When you are not in your place, when you are not serving where you need to serve, then the body struggles. Because we are part of one another. We need each other. When God designed the church, He designed it so that we would be there for one another. So my counsel to you tonight, as brothers and sisters in Christ, take care of each other. Take care of each other. Know what's going on in each other's lives. Be nosy. You miss somebody, call them. You see somebody that's not here, send them a note. Haven't seen somebody in a few weeks, make them a chocolate pie and take it to their house. That'll open up conversation right there. Well, I, I can make chocolate pies. That's your ministry. You are in charge of the chocolate pie ministry. Take care of each other. Do your part. God bless you. Let's have a word of prayer. Father God, we thank you so much for your church. We thank you so much for your kingdom. And we pray, Father, that in Christ we all do our part and that we all glorify you. It's in Jesus we pray. Amen. One final slide, a little note for you to keep when you go home. You don't get harmony when everyone sings the same note. You sing. You sing your part. God bless.